Well, good morning again, church. And uh, we got our work cut out for us. I want to tell you that because we got quite a lot of cover in a very little bit of time. But praise the Lord that uh, that the testimony of this church has basically preached the the message for me. Because the truth is, we're going to be talking this morning uh, about what our roles are in in the body. We're going to be in First Corinthians chapter twelve. We're going to start in verse twelve. And many of you guys may be familiar with this passage of Scripture. In fact, it's, it's one of the more familiar ones to us as we see Paul talking about how the body of, church, of the church is similar to our human bodies and helping us to understand the roles that we play in the church. And, you know, Aaron uh, alluded to this last week as he was talking about chapter 13, which we're also all very familiar with, right, because this is the chapter where Paul speaks directly about love, and we see it oftentimes in weddings and things like that. But both of these passages, I want to remind you, are in the context of the conversation that we started last week, where we were talking about spiritual gifts. It's important for us to understand that even as we reach passages that we're really familiar with, that we get what Paul is talking about, because we entered into this conversation by him saying what we started with last week. You know, I, I don't want you guys to be unaware about how these spiritual gifts work in the church. And so even as we start to talk about the role that we each all play in the church and how that ought to function in a healthy way, it is in the context of the division that the Corinthian church was experiencing uh, over spiritual gifts. And towards the end of this passage, next week, the week after, and, and the week after that, you're, you're going to see uh, Paul keep coming back to referencing especially uh, the gift of speaking in tongues. And I'm not going to talk a lot about that uh, this week, but I want you to understand uh, this is not a stretch. This is not John, you know, saying how he feels about it. And in fact, I tend to align with Aaron that I believe that there are probably, God has the ability to continue to use any gifts that we've seen in the Bible in any way that he chooses and sees fit although there's probably some of them that we see less of, like speaking in tongues and miracles in our current day and time because all of the Word of God has been revealed to us. But I want you to know, I want you to be clear that that is how Paul started this conversation. And so that is directly in light as we talk about how ought these spiritual gifts come to life inside uh, our church. And so if you would, if you're not there already, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 12. Uh, so Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is... God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, 
the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts, we are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophet, thirds teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Would you pray with me before we dive into this text? God, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the truth of it, God. We can look and plainly see in what we've seen this morning, Lord, that you have created your church, Lord, as a body, each with parts that they are fulfilling, and Lord, each working together to accomplish the mission that you have given us. Lord, I pray that we would just step into the truth that you have for us this morning and see it plainly, Lord. Would you speak through me? Let it not be my words, but your words, Lord, and would that uh, pierce our hearts, Lord? Would it change us, Lord? Would it conform us more and more into the image of Christ? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning, church, I'm thankful because there's a lot in this text that is relatively straightforward. Like, there's not a lot in here where the meaning, where the meaning is not plain. But I want us to dive into this in a way that we can really clearly understand what that means for us as we seek to be part of of the church. And the first thing that I want you to see this morning uh, and that Paul alludes to immediately is that we are one body. And the, the first little subpoint there is that we can understand how this is meant to work because we understand how our body works. You see, that's what Paul starts off. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, he means the human body. And so he's immediately using an analogy that we can easily understand because we understand, I think, for the most part, how our human bodies work, right? Like we may not know how, what everything does, but we know what most of it does and we can see how it relates together. And that's where he goes to say that the church is like that. And so I'm thankful because as we think about this example that Paul is using this morning and thinking about how the human body works, that helps us understand how the church is meant to work. And one of the first things that I want you to see there as we think about our human body and as Paul is immediately going to get into, I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this, but I've never thought about the pieces of my body being in competition with each other. Like, I, I don't think about my hands competing with my feet. I don't think about my eyes trying to defeat my ears. That's not the way that I think about my body. I think about my body as one thing that moves and works together and that accomplishes the purposes together. And therein lies our connection to the church because so often we think about the pieces of our corporate body 
as the church as being in competition with each other. And Paul says, no, that's, that's not the case. You have a body. It has many parts, but they all work together as part of this body. And so even as we think about how our human bodies work, I, we need to think about things like that, that our body doesn't work against itself. And there's no real context for us biblically to think about the pieces of the church working against itself. No, they're meant to work together. They're meant to contribute to each other. Do they do different things? Do they look differently? Yes. Does your hand do something different than your eyes do? Yes. But does that mean that they're in conflict with each other? No. That means that they are working together and that's part of what Paul wants us to see. We can understand everything that he has to say here by understanding how our own human bodies work. And some of you might say, well, this is, this is not a body that I'm sure that I'm a, a part of. Well, maybe that's true. I mean, maybe some of you guys haven't made the decision yet to follow after Christ. But for those of you guys that have, it's not optional. You are a part of of the body. You see, we join this body when we follow Christ. And there's no other way around it. The church is what God has given us to be a part of as we seek to follow Christ. Paul, Paul says it there. He says, so it is, just in this example that he's giving of a body that has many members, but it's part of the same body. So it is with Christ. You see, when we enter into a relationship with Christ, he makes us a part of his global church. Now, we might have a membership that resides in a specific expression of the local church, but immediately, when we decide to follow Christ, we're entered into a family that is his church. And so, we're meant to work together for the purposes of his church, just as Paul says, that is just like the body. He goes on to say that we are joined together by the Spirit. It says, for in one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And, and you know what is so interesting about this church? Because I think sometimes this is where we get a little bit off track, right? Because of, of how we think about that third person of the Trinity. Like, we, we think because the Holy Spirit is, we say, a Holy Spirit... We just, we mystify it, and yet the third person of the Trinity is a person, and it has a being and an existence. And so I ask you, is it possible that that third person could be doing different things that were in opposition to itself? No, it's not possible. And that's what the point is that Paul is making here, as he says, we were all baptized together uh, by one spirit. And I think that's important for us to recognize as we think about how the church is meant to work together. And one of the places that we see that most clearly is in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to save us a little bit of time. I'll read it to you, but you can write it down so that you can go back and check it. Don't trust me. Trust God's word. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, there is one body. And, and in this case, he's talking about the church and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. And that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You see, just, just a few pages later, Paul makes this extraordinarily clear. There is no reason for disunity. There is no reason for the parts of the body to be working against each other because we were all baptized 
into the body by one spirit. And there is one spirit, and there is one faith, and there is one God. And when we join in this, it is meant to create unity amongst us by default. It's not something that we have to work towards, although it is something that we need to be mindful of and constantly work at, but it is something that God does in us when we receive that spirit and he begins to create unity in things that are normally disunified. That's what Paul says here. He gives these examples, and I, and I want you to see that we're no longer divided by the things that used to divide us. He gives the example, he says, for we're all uh, in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, and then he says Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. So he gives us a couple of examples. He doesn't give us an exhaustive list, but he gives us two examples of people that see things totally differently, that, that are coming from a place uh, that the Jewish faith was coming from, that had some knowledge of God, that understood the, the character of God. And then he says the Gentiles, people that had never heard this message, had never believed it. They didn't have families that were, that were teaching them in the ways of the Lord and raising them to understand God's statutes and commands. And then he gives the other example, that person that's free and that person that's a slave. And, and this isn't meant to be an exhaustive list. It's meant to show how God creates unity out of people who have no other reason to be unified aside from Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but there's many times where I find more common ground with my brothers and sisters in this room than sometimes I do with my own family. Because we have the Spirit of God in us, leading us, guiding us, directing us, providing unity. It is one Spirit, and He has one mission as He empowers the church. And so it only makes sense that we ought to be coming at this from a place of unity. And so we're no longer divided by the things that used to divide us. The, the only thing, hopefully, that might divide us in this room is maybe your, your sports teams. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know. There's not a biblical example for, for how the Holy Spirit is supposed to work that out. But otherwise, we ought to be united because we have been given a mission. We've all been given it. We just play different parts in it. And we're working towards that same mission as we follow Christ and we're led along by his spirit. So we are all one body. But next I want you to see that we all bring value to this body. And, and, and I want you to know that this is something where it took me a little while to really understand what Paul was trying to say in this next section because, I don't know, I just I had to put myself in the place of other members of that body. But Paul imagines this scenario where a member of the body doesn't see its value. And, and there might be some people in this room today that need to hear that, that need to hear what Paul says where that, where the, where that foot just assumes that it's not valuable just because it's not a hand, or that ear assumes it's not valuable just because it's not an eye. That's not how it works in our human body. Never has my foot rose up in resistance against me just because it's not a hand. It's not how it works, and it's not how it's meant to work in the church. And so 
I, I want you guys to know, and I want you to hear, and I want you to see it in God's word, that every one of us, everyone that's a part of the church that is following Christ and has been baptized into the body brings value to the body. Now, Paul says in, in verse 14 there, he says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. I mean, this seems like totally obvious, right? That's a very straightforward statement. Our bodies do not consist of one thing, but of many different parts. Everybody has every body and every space body has many different parts. And we can look around and we can recognize that, but we should also be able to recognize that when we apply it to the church. This, this church body has many different parts. We've all been given different gifts. If nobody's ever told you that, I want you to know. We're going to spend a while focusing on that this morning, although not as long as I thought it looks like. But you each have different gifts. You've been given them differently. You've been given them in different amounts. The body has different parts, but every one of those parts has a different purpose. You see, it would be silly, it would be foolish for us to look at our own human bodies and ask one part to fill the purpose of another part. It wasn't created to do that. It's not going to do it well. Sure, there are some exceptions, right? There are people that are incredibly gifted at you know, walking on their hands, or there's some people that their life circumstances made it so they have to walk on their hands. But that's not how your hands were created. That's not what they were created for. That's what your feet were created for. And we can apply that same thing to our understanding of the church and recognize that God has given us different abilities because he has given every part a different purpose. And then I want you to see the next part there. Because every one of those purposes is necessary. You see, he, Paul, Paul says it like this, right? He says that, you know, just because the foot isn't the hand and it says, well, I'm not a part of the body, that actually, what does he say? It, says, it doesn't make it not a part of the body. Even if it says, I'm not good enough because I'm not a hand, I'm not going to be part of the body, it is nonetheless a part of the body, and the same thing with the ear and the eye example. He says the same thing over and over again. It is nonetheless a part of the body because every part is necessary. Not only has God gifted every part of the church, not just this, this church, but his church with every gift and every part that is needed. And not only do they all have a different purpose, but every one of those parts is necessary to the healthy functioning of the body of the church that God has created. And, and I want you to look at what Paul says here. So we just, we, we just read that, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? You see, they are necessary they are a critical part of the body functioning the way that God has intended it to. And that's the, that's the thing that I want you to see next. Every one of those parts 
is ordained by God. Look at, look at what Paul says. He says, sorry, I, there, uh, sorry, I lost my place for a second. Uh, where would the sense of smell be? Verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them. How, church? How? What does it say? As he chose. Just, just as he wanted to. So even as we're tempted sometimes to look at the spiritual gifts that we've received and say, man, I'd, I sure would like to be a musician. Kevin, for what it's worth, I mean, I would, I'd love to be able to sing and play the piano. But that's not the gift that God has given me. He has given each person the gifts as he chose. And so the question really becomes not how do I feel with the gifts that I've been given? Do I feel useful as part of this body? Do I feel that I'm able to contribute what I think I ought to be able to contribute? The question instead is if God has ordained it, if he has chosen the gifts that each of us have and to the measure that we have them, the question is do I trust God? Do I believe that he is infinitely more wise than I am, infinitely more good than I am, infinitely more sovereign than I am, infinitely more faithful than I am, and he is going to work out the purposes that he has for this body by using my gifts however he chooses. That's the question. Because if every part is ordained by God, it has nothing to do with how I feel about the gifts that I've been given, the truth is he didn't have to give me any gifts. And yet, he chooses to pour out his spirit on those that are following Christ and to give, him, give them through his spirit gifts for the sake of the church. And so if I'm looking, and some of you might be, looking at the gifts that you've been given and saying, man, I wish I, wish I could teach or I wish I could pray the way that I see some people pray, or man, I wish I could sing, or I wish I was as generous as some people are, or kind as they are, or I wish I had the, the heart that the people around me I see do, and because I don't have those things, I don't see where I bring value. Let me tell you that the issue that is at stake there is not the gift that you've been given, but whether you trust God to be able to do something amazing with what he has given you and whether you trust that he has a purpose for the things that he has given you. Because Paul was clear, God has ordained it. He has chosen the gifts that you are meant to have. And so we see everybody has many different parts. Everybody, every part has a different purpose. Every purpose is necessary. Every part is ordained by God. But also every part is unique. You see, he says it there in verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? And I, I, want, you to ask, I, I want you to earnestly ask yourself, if you have found yourself in this position where you see the giftings that God has given somebody else, and you're like, man, I wish I had that, let me ask you, what would it be like if we all had the same gift? That would be a terrible thing. That would not be a thing that creates unity because we would all have the same gift and we would all try to exercise it better than the person next to us. But as it is, God has given us all different gifts. 
And that uniqueness is important. That uniqueness is what helps the body to function the way that it ought to function. Praise the Lord that all of you guys are not like me. I'm wired as an administrator. For some, for some reason, God has seen it fit to put two people in this church in your pastoral leadership that are both administrators in type A, and that causes some conflict. That causes some butting of heads. Praise the Lord it's not all of us, okay? Praise the Lord that there are people that are kind and that have the gift of showing mercy and are compassionate and are generous and are so many other things that we don't even see listed in this scripture because the uniqueness of the body is what causes it to function the way that God has intended for it to function. So every part is unique. And then lastly, under this point, I just want you to see that every part is part of the whole. You know, that's what he says there at the end of that uh, 19 going into 20. He says, as it is, there are many parts, yet there is one body. So even in our uniqueness, we are part of the whole. We have the same goals. We have the same purposes. I know some days it may not feel like that, but we do. We were created for the same purpose. And when we recognize that, we recognize that even in our differences, even in the fact that we are different parts, we are part of the same body being used by God for the same goal. So we saw that we all bring value to the body but I also want you guys to see, and this is, again, sometimes something we don't think about, that we are all dependent on each other. You see, in this next paragraph, Paul makes this transition away from where he was emphasizing this one part of the body that sort of questions itself and goes, well, do I really belong to the part of the, to the body? And he, and he makes a transition to understanding how each of the parts of the body ought to work together to esteem each other's gifts uh, and, and each other's purposes. And so not only are we all a part of the body, but we are all dependent on each other. You see, he says, he starts this passage out, or that this chapter, sorry, this paragraph uh, in verse 21 by saying, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. You see, he, he imagines a scenario that's impossible where one part of the body would look at another part of the body and go, I just don't have any need of you. That's inconceivable, right? Like, again, the reason this passage is, is easy for us to digest is because we can think about our own human bodies and go, wait a minute. Like, is there a scenario where I would say to my eyes, you know, ah, I, don't, I don't need you today. I would assume most of us would say, no, that's not, that would, we wouldn't think like that. Or to our hand, or to our, even some of our smaller parts, like our knees, right? And like, if any of you guys have, have bad knees, nobody would choose to look at their knees and go, you know what? I just, I don't, I don't need you guys today. Uh, no pun intended, knee, need, haha. Uh, no, you, you see, because our members, and this is the first thing that I want you to see there, our members don't exist to serve themselves. You see, if we think about the purposes of our body, what do my eyes do? My eyes don't exist for themselves. They exist to see so that the body goes where it needs to go. My hands don't exist for my hands. My hands do very little to serve 
my other hands, they do a whole lot to serve my body as a whole. And I think that's an important way that we need to understand how we fit into the body of Christ because sometimes where division comes from, and remember I said that this whole passage started with Paul dealing with the divisions that were happening in the church. The divisions happen when we start to think that I'm here to, to be served by the church. That's, that's when there's conflict. That's when, like Aaron mentioned last week, we're not as mindful about whether I'm at church or not because I believe that the church is there to serve me. But if I believe that I'm there to serve each other, every other person that's in this place, then my absence is a critical flaw. My body doesn't wake up in the morning and go, you know what, poof, no hand today. Let's see how we get along without it. Everything will be fine. That's not the case because my members don't exist to serve themselves. They exist to serve the body as a whole. And the same thing is true of the church. The members don't exist to serve themselves. They exist to serve the body as a whole. They exist for each other. That's our second point. Somebody beat me to it. This is, this is a fundamental shift that needs to happen in our thinking as we think about how the church ought to function. Because our members, the truth is, they exist to serve each other. The members weren't given to the church for themselves, but for each other. And likewise, the church wasn't given to the world for the sake of being church, but it was given to the world for the sake of the world, that there might be a place that people could look to and recognize that God is doing something amazing, that we have a God that creates unity, that we have a God that saves, that we have a God that loves light and hates darkness. And this ought to be a place where they could see that. So our members don't exist to serve themselves. They exist for each other. But also our members are essential. Even the ones that we believe are least needed. You see, Paul gives, he gives three examples here. He says uh, in verse 22, on the contrary, so the first one he gives, the parts of their body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And then he goes on to say, the parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow greater honor on. And the unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. I don't know if you guys know this, but you need a spleen. Aaron used the example last week, I think, of an appendix, but the spleen is more personal to me. You see, when I was, when I was 15, I ruptured my spleen on a mission trip in uh, Ocean City, Maryland, and I almost died. Praise God for sustaining my life. I spent more than a week confined to a hospital bed before I could travel home. But most people probably don't think a whole lot about what a spleen does. In fact, if you were to think about a spleen, you probably would list it in this category at least of weaker. I don't know about uh, unpresentable. I mean, I guess because it's on the inside, right? But can I tell you that it's essential? No matter what a doctor says, yes, you can take medicine for your, the entire rest of your life and not have a spleen, but you actually need it. And there are parts of our body that fall into, and now I mean our church body, that fall into these categories where we would look upon them and we would say, because it doesn't have the giftings that I think it ought to have, maybe it's weaker. 
because they don't always do the things that I think they ought to do, maybe they're less honorable. Or something that we'd be inclined to cover up because it doesn't, it feels immodest. It doesn't look or feel like I want it to look or feel. But in every one of those scenarios, Paul has given us an example about how it was given to the body, not as a thing to be hidden, not as a thing to be put aside or devalued, but because it serves an integral purpose to the body. You see, he says on the weaker things, they're indispensable. On the less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. On our unpresentable parts, those are the ones that we treat with the greatest modesty in our body. And so that ought to be how we function as a church. When I'm tempted to look at someone and think, think less of them because of the gifts that they've been given, I need to recognize that that is a part of how God has built his church, and it goes back to whether he is sovereign or not, whether he is in control or not, whether I believe that he knows what he's doing or not, or whether I believe that he has designed this body or not, because those are the parts that we need. And look at what he says as to why. He's given greater honor to the part that lacked it, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. Our members are not to be divided. The reason that he's given us differences is so that we might not be divided, so that we might look upon people with giftings that are different than mine in different abilities, in different measure, and recognize the uniqueness of how God has created this place and his entire church to fulfill the purposes that he has for us. We're called here to have the same care for each other, and that is only possible because we're different. It's only possible for us to have the same care for each other because we were created differently. And the last thing that I want you to see in this section is our members share in the suffering and in the honor as one body. Paul says it there. If, our, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Paul calls us again to unity by pointing out the obvious. I don't blame my hand when it does something that I don't want it to do. Collectively, it affects the body. When I injure one part of my body, I don't say, well, man, that leg should have been doing better or otherwise it wouldn't have got injured. No. It affects the whole body. And likewise, if I were to do something deserving honor, nobody goes, well, man, John's hand did a fantastic job. No. The body as a whole receives the honor, but also that means that the body as a whole has to care for itself. Each of the individual members, if they're suffering, we've been called to care for them. I think we get the honor part, right? When something good happens, man, we're quick to be like, wow, what a great thing that's, that's going on here in this place. We're quick to share in that. But what about the suffering? What about one of the parts of our body 
that's not functioning the way that it ought to, the way that it's been created to, the way that it's been gifted to us to do, do we share in that suffering to restore that part back to being healthy? Because at the end of the day, every one of those parts is needed. The last point here, as we, as we wrap up this text, and I know we're short on time, second service is just going to have to wait for a couple of minutes. Not only are we all dependent on each other, but we are all united for a purpose. You see, everybody has a purpose. The, this body of which Christ is the head is not any different. It has a purpose. And I want to quickly share with you two things. I think we, I think we have them on, uh, on a slide. This is actually something that uh, we started working on with our staff last fall. We've, we've called them our guiding principles. They're essentially a, a set of behaviors that, that tell us how we ought to act. As the members of the church, as the staff of the church, we've started sharing them with our leaders and our departments to say how we ought to act. And there's two of these that I want to call your attention to. So let's flip, the, flip that, go to the next one. All right, this one down there at the bottom, kingdom-minded. It says right there next to it, we set our minds on the increase of Christ's kingdom and not our own. You see, as the individual departments within this church, but as individual members of every part of this church, we ought to be kingdom-minded. That's what, that's what I'm seeing from Paul. That's what I'm trying to say here in, this, in saying that we have been united for a purpose. You see, we share a purpose. When we think about how we're gifted differently, we ought to recognize that it is because we are united for a purpose that we share and it means it's bigger than anything that any one of us does. And it also means, if you'll flip to the next one, that it's bigger than anything that this church does. You see, I, I really feel in one way that the testimony of this service has been that you guys understand that we all are working together and that we all are one body united for a purpose. But I want to be, I want to tell you, just in case you've never heard it, that we are a cooperative church. And what that means is that not only within this church do we recognize that God is using us for a purpose, we recognize that God is using this church alongside other churches. It says we work freely with like-minded churches to advance the gospel. And there's listed some behaviors there of how we live that out. But our purpose is bigger than inside this building. The purpose that God has created this body for, when I say this body, I mean Hepzibah, each of which you are a part of, that church is part of a larger body that is the church that Christ is the head of. And that means that he is going to use this church according to his purposes, that he is specifically, if we back out a little bit, he has specifically gifted this church with gifts in the form of its people, in the form of its calling, in the form of its resources that are to be used for the good of the whole body. And when I say the whole body, I mean the whole church all around the world. We have been united, church, for a purpose into one body. 
God has provided the purpose for that body. We can go back to the outline now if you want. God has provided the purpose for this body. We don't get to decide it. Going back to the gift things, it's just like that. We don't get to decide what the purpose is for this body. God has provided it. He has given us the instruction, one, to encourage and build each other up as part of this church, but two, to make disciples of all nations as we share the gospel with this entire world. The purpose is not ambiguous. That is the purpose for which we exist. God has provided the purpose for this body. God has also given us Christ as the head of this body. We have to remember, church, none of us has that role. Despite all of our giftings, no matter what they are, none of us has the role of head. Christ does. And we, and we have to remember that as we're thinking about how we function as part of the body it's not dependent on our own wisdom or on our feelings of worth, but rather on God, the one who has gifted us and Christ who leads us. You know, the way that Paul says it there in the text in that last little paragraph, he says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. And he could have gone on and on and listed all of the things, but God has given us Christ as the head, and he's also gifted every single member, especially for their purpose. That doesn't mean that every one of you guys knows what your purpose is. Sometimes that's the conflict. It's hard to recognize that you've been gifted for a purpose if you, don't, if you don't recognize what that purpose is that you were created for, but the truth is you were. You were gifted and you were created for a purpose. And as if Kevin and the band comes, the last thing I want you guys to see is that God has designed this body so that it is at its best when every part is working according to its purpose. Not only does every part have a purpose, not only is Christ the head, not only has he gifted everybody and knows exactly what, it, what your purpose is, but your absence or your failure to fulfill the purposes and the giftings of which God has created you means that the body is not functioning to the fullest of God's design. And so is, is, was this passage written to the Corinthian church to promote unity? Yes. Should we take away from this message the need for unity? Yes. But praise God that we get to live and work and worship in a place where there is already a great deal of unity. And so my question to you is, what are the things that God has gifted you to do? What do you recognize, even if you aren't using those giftings, that he's created in you a special ability and a special desire to be good at that thing? And why aren't you using them to serve the body? Your gifts do not exist for you. They exist for the good of the body as a whole, for the glory 
of the Savior that's redeemed us, for the mission of the God who has given it to us and created us and instilled it in us. For some of you guys, that might be just a place that you know that you are called to serve. It might not even be a formal act of service in this church. We had a couple starting last night that started having a Bible study in their home. They don't even meet here. Most of the people that they're studying with are not followers of Christ and are not members of this church. And yet, that's what God had gifted them to do. Some of you guys, it might be things actually within this church that you know God has gifted you for. For some of you guys, it might be just taking the first step to say, I want to be a member of this church. You've been coming all this time. You see the things that are happening. You know that God is moving. Are you content to not get involved? Are you content to not be used as part of the body that he has created you to be used in? That might be the choice that you need to make. And some of you guys can't imagine how this many different people could sit in a room together and have unity. Let me be the first to tell you it is exactly what we opened with. It is not because of anything that we have done to manufacture this unity, but because each and every one of our individual trust in Christ that he has filled us with his spirit and that it unites us. And for some of you guys, that might be the choice that you need to make today. If you've never followed Christ, if you've never surrendered control of your life and placed it squarely in his hands and trusted in him, not just for salvation, but for lordship, to be your guide to do the things in you that you can't do in yourself, all of the things that we have been talking about this morning. I don't know a better day than today. And I stand here ready to receive you if you want to make any of those decisions. But this time, this moment, church, is for you to be alone with God and to respond to what he has said and to understand and to seek his face about how he would use you in this place. So let me pray for you. God, we thank you for your word, Lord, that doesn't change. Lord, as centuries and millennia pass by, Lord, it stands just as true. And God, we thank you for your wisdom. For having created each and every one of us in a way that is unique and perfect, Lord, according to your plans. God, and you have a desire to use us, Lord. Would you speak to each and every one of us this morning about what that is, Lord? And for that person that's afraid, that stands in opposition to you, Lord, that their very life, Lord, is an affront to what you say is good, God, would you open their eyes to see that you have so much a better way, Lord? And would you cause them to trust you in this moment, to run to your son, Lord, who has died for them, who was put to death, not because he was guilty, but because we are guilty. God, would they trust in Christ for their salvation, believing that he was risen from the dead, Lord, and that you intend to raise each and every one of us to new life as well, not just in the ever after, but right now. God, would they trust you? And would they have the boldness to stand in front of his people and declare 
that they are trusting you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Speak to us in this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 